Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. On this episode, I have a wonderful interview for you today. I had the uh, the honor of interviewing A&R for Reach Records, Mr. Ace Harris. Uh, he's also known for doing production, music production. He's produced for uh, Lil Wayne, Lecrae, uh, a ton of different people out there. He's won some awards and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I, I got introduced to him from Track Stars, and I also saw a wonderful interview he did with Ruslan. And, uh, and so I reached out, and he was gracious enough to, to spend a little bit of time to do this interview with me. And uh, so if you haven't seen those other interviews, make sure you check those out. You'll get a lot of great stuff from there, and uh, as well as this interview as well. Before we jump into it, I do want to thank the Patreon supporters of the show, Mr. Jay Sannon and LT Smith. I thank both of you. Both of those are great artists. I know uh, Jay Sannon just released a, a remix to somebody, uh, to the song Somebody. And so make sure you go check that out. And uh, LT has released an album that is available now. Uh, so I'll have links to those in the show description for you to check out. And uh, without further ado, here's the interview with Mr. Ace Harris. Alrighty, welcome back to another Business with Bordeaux podcast interview. I am honored today to have an individual with me. Uh, I first found out about him, like I do a lot of my guests, from Track Stars. Uh, he also did an, inter- uh, an amazing interview with Ruslan, uh, so make sure you go check that out uh, if you haven't already. But I have with me uh, A&R and a producer from Reach Records, Mr. Ace Harris. How you doing, sir? What's going on, Jason? Um I'm thankful to be here, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. I'm I'm, um, I'm stoked to get you on the show. Um, you know, it's uh, I I do a lot, or I deal with a lot of music and stuff, and so uh, getting uh, your perspective on how things work on the level that you're performing at uh, will be great to get that insight. And uh, but you know, before we even jump into all of that, you know, I would like for people to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, you know, kind of how you came into the music industry and what led up to it sure um well in a nutshell um i you know i'm a preacher's kid um my family's from liberia west africa dad's a pastor so i grew up playing drums in the church i'm I'm a a church musician and um so that kind of got me into music at a young age and i've always pursued it through high school and college would intern everywhere all around atlanta different labels etc and um yeah, I just, when I started making beats when I was like in high school, but started making beats like at 15 years old with a, back when it was like a, it was like workstation keyboard before FL Studio and all kind of software. And I just always just kept pursuing the idea of music production. I was really intrigued by it. So I interned off to college, graduated, graduated college, worked in corporate America for about a couple of years and still, and then quit corporate America to pursue music full time, got with a management team, Got a couple of tracks placed to some artists in Atlanta and then took a, that wasn't, you know, at, at 22, 23, I thought I was going to be like the next biggest thing in music shortly after, but it took me literally almost like 10 years of grinding to kind of like sustain and push through and, and get some like traction as a um, full-time producer and, you know, person in the music business. Right, right. And, uh, and, and in that, you know, you've had some, uh, some, some pretty big placements with, Lil Wayne, Meek Mill, um, Nicki Minaj, T.I., and uh, obviously Lecrae. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of familiar names that that people have in uh, in hip hop. And so, um, so w- when it came to like kind of getting your your very first placement, what was that like? Sure, um, one of my first placements I felt was actually um, I-, I had some placements early on, like and when I was like uh, this is like around 2009 or 2008 with some um I had, I had some like street records with rick ross and jim jones and hip-hop stuff I had some stuff with this uh island group called rock city it was signing in stuff at the time but they, i mean they weren't like huge songs i would say 2010 is when i really got my first record so i would say reach records was actually the first place that i placed um a track that i felt like had some commercial impact so it was a, it was um on the craze rehab album that was 2010 and i produced 
with, along with two of my other producer partners at the time, I produced three records on that, uh, Check In, Walking on Water, and Used to Do It Too. Oh, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, Check In, that was, uh, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, so, yeah, so, and, and at that time, did you just, did you just send the beats to somebody? How did that work? Yeah, at that time, I, um, one of my production partners was interning in L.A., um, he was actually in it. He had moved to LA. So he was kind of like connecting dots over there while we were, me and my other production partner was in Atlanta. And somehow he ran into, um, Vicky, Vicky Mack, who she's a music executive and, um, used to distribute. She founded, she founded, uh, um, Kirk Franklin and she had like a gospel music distribution company and reach records at the time was distributed through them. And, um, so as my friend was interning with, um, that distribution company put a plug in the ear, got some music to them, fast forward, and I was prompted to go meet Ben and Lecrae in Atlanta from that connection in LA. And I pulled up on the studio, just played a bunch of beats, and they liked some. And then, yeah, that's what happened. Nice. So, was there a uh, is there a different feeling that you get uh, with hearing like a uh, a Christian perform on one of your beats rather than a secular artist? I think more so, not necessarily who, but what is being said more than anything. Um, so, like, I guess, you know, as long as it's, I mean, I don't discriminate. Obviously, I produce for other artists and um, songs that have a variety of messages, backgrounds, but there is something special about producing a record that you feel like totally aligns with um, a message that you would rock with. And it just it just resonates differently, you know what I'm saying? Whether that be working on Andy's, uh, one of Andy's records, one of my favorite records, a record called There on, on, on the Sword. Always got to get mixed up there on Sword. And uh, one of my favorite records I've, I've produced on, even on uh, What Up RG's Raul Project, uh, the song called Freeze, which I didn't produce, but I did a lot of additional production. Um, records like that and a record like Rapture from Coffee, who's like not necessarily a faith-based artist, but she's very conscious in her content. And so like, I think what is being said kind of, draws that like real passion out of me more than necessarily the person being a Christian or not. Gotcha. So if, you know, Migos picks up a beat and they, you know, put stuff on there that's might be completely against your worldview, uh you don't feel any kind of, you know, any kind of conviction about that? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a, a nuance. So it's like the um, it's case by case for me. Uh, I mean, there, have, there have been times where I've gotten studio with certain artists and just didn't feel like it was the right move, um, the right call, the right play. Yeah, so it, for me, I don't necessarily um, have this like um, legalistic yes or no metric, but more of a spirit-led type of uh, posture. It's kind of so. So yeah, there are some times where I, I've like walked away from certain situations that just didn't feel. Um, I didn't feel it was like spirit led or not to say that working with Migos is, it's just more like um, there could be opportunities outside of the placement where I feel like my voice can impact and influence, not limited to the fact that the song may be explicit or whatever. Right. Right. I've actually had uh, kind of internal debates. There's a um, like, I mean, there used to be more comic book shops around me and uh, cause I, I like comics and the other I can tell you, you, you got the Batman in the back. My, my kids would, <laughs> My my, my uh, five year old and my three they would be going crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff back there, man. I got a uh, my daughter's favorite thing because it's small and it's squishy. Uh, my uh, my best friend actually bought me it's a little uh, a Black Panther thing, and so when you squeeze it, it's got different sayings. And my daughters love that thing. Uh, it's the only one that talks. It's the only one that talks. But um, I, I, I just realized you have the Batman hat on too. So like it's yeah, you you, you you about the, you about this comic book life. It's not even a it's not a game. Yeah, I can't even shade the rest of the office, but um, but yeah. So, uh, but w one of the kind of things I had was like, you know, I would love to have uh, interviewed a a comic book store owner, but this show was is it's I I created it to be faith based and to interview Christian entrepreneurs and businessmen and women. Um, so I had that kind of inter internal debate myself. Ideally, because if a Christian wanted to open a comic book store, what are the steps? What are the struggles? Um, so, you know, and, and that's, and, and I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet, but I've always pondered, like, you know, Lord, is this something I should do? Uh, I mean, you know, 
the the comic book store owner I know, like he likes some of my Facebook posts or whatever, but I know he's also really into very non-Christian type stuff. So, but um, but anyway, so I you know I totally get where you're coming from, and um, you know, and, and I know that not everybody in the CHH sphere feel uh field sphere feels the same way, but uh, but I, but I definitely understand it, and um, so. Going into uh, or kind of in your production, uh, your years getting started, what was it that that got you to the point where you could start submitting music to uh, kind of bigger name artists and labels and stuff? Yeah, for me, uh, I've always been an advocate of like making partnerships, and I think it's a it's a good business metric or a business practice to to to, to lean into, which is figure out how to partner with people where there's complementary uh you know skills or um or like a line or, or skills that can line together but so I, I had a friend of mine who was a producer as well christian dude um had had bigger placements than me a friend of mine and we had known each other for a while but his career was kind of going an upward trajectory after he produced some stuff with like jay-z and kanye west watch the throne rihanna and as his career started to ascend he reached out to me at the time I wasn't doing quote unquote secular music. I had like renewed my faith with God and I had kind of like given it all up and I was just doing Christian music. But um, when he reached back out to me, I, I, I saw through a different lens and I was like, wow, this is a cool opportunity for me to, I don't have to limit my gifts the way I thought I did once I kind of got reborn. And, and, but I was walking into it with a different space and a different, I guess a renewed mind. Uh, so anyway, he um, reached back and he kind of needed some help because he was kind of getting, overwhelmed with the bandwidth after producing some of the biggest records um like jay-z kanye west rihanna and so i i basically did a production deal with this guy and uh he was in la and i would like fly back and forth to la four or five times a year and through that production deal um i was able to co-produce i was able to a and r some of his projects and it led me to through his management team and contacts to get records to ti to Nicki Minaj, to Kid Ink, um, and eventually Lil Wayne as well. Nice. So, what does that kind of a deal look like, like production deal or contract? Sure, it's it's um, I mean, it's pretty pretty standard. It's more like you know, you have you're, you're signed on to contribute um, beats, tracks to the producer that you're signed to, and anything that you place with him will be you know listed like a co-production situation. So their records and, and and you do that because it's kind of like um i guess it's similar to um kind of like an apprentice type of you know construct where a certain artist or you know creative is ushering in new talent and developing that talent and exploiting that talent obviously it's a business transaction too so the the, the, the talent being acquired may not have as much credibility or as or as much placement so it's a benefit and the person who has more is looking to extend and get more placements without having to make everything because it's kind of like a lot of a lot of work. So essentially, it's a co-production deal, and you would like, um, you know, split things in a fair way based on the terms agreed upon. Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, I know, I mean, I have you know a few producers who listen, and uh, and I'm sure they probably try to figure out how to look for something like that. And uh, but so some of the, the the key things that I'm hearing is like networking uh partnering and I, I like when you were talking about complimentary uh because I, I feel like a lot of times we tend to drift toward the people that we're most like and we're very kind of on the same level uh you know and i'm a big big advocate of finding people that are stronger than you in certain your weak areas and not letting that intimidate you right um so uh so we, what were some areas that that you were like weak in was it just like the connections? Sure. I mean, definitely, I would say, yeah, you can, you can say network to so access to high profile talent. Uh, and again, again, and, and so this is a cool lesson I would share. Then this person that I signed to wasn't like, he was like a year older than me. Again, we were, we were friends. We're still friends to this day. Um, and I actually had some placements. I, I was on a Grammy nominated project. I had I had credentials prior to the deal that I did with him, which obviously gave him uh, a reason to consider me. But um, in addition, I uh, I guess lesson for some people was like, you don't always like partnering with somebody who, you know, may be um, further on than you, further off than you are. But even if, even if you have some credentials, you don't have to be so 
haughty about it where it's like oh i'm too big to like make this alignment it's like if if, if this makes sense business wise consider it you know what i'm saying so the, the things that com i complimented him were he's pretty much a he was definitely more on the creative side in terms of artistic and you know i was very much operational i mean I, i'm left and right brain so i would come in organize files organize sounds keep a calendar of beats uh, kind of get a system of how to organize beats how to send beats out so and then uh he was he 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 was probably sonically sharper than mine so his mixing his technical skills were better so but i but i, I was a better arranger so a lot of times I, we start a beat together and he would we kind of go back and forth and then he goes to the next beat and i take the beat that we made and kind of put it in my headphones and i start arranging it and adding that that's, that's what happened on the Nicki Minaj track so it was like complimentary for sure and i think that helped so it's kind of like, um, like kind of sure up the value of, of the partnership. You know what I'm saying? So do you feel like people should, because uh, I've heard kind of both sides, you know, you, you double down on your strengths and you let somebody else take care of the weaknesses. Or do you feel like there, there are still times where you try to figure out your weakness and make that stronger? What do you feel like might be more beneficial? I'm a firm believer in work on your uh, Put energy in developing your strengths. Okay, okay. I would agree. I agree. Um, you know, it's not that black and white. I mean, you can argue. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, 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 if music is an analogy, and if you're a producer, if your strength is in mixing, that's still a core skill to being a good producer. I, I wouldn't say that is a weakness you should ignore. But if your core skill is being creative and maybe not business, maybe you should try to, like, partner with someone or see how you can delegate it you know it's, it's tough to do it's not it's, it's it's hard to be great at everything i totally get it so i'm not saying just you know give up all your share profits and have somebody manage your business i'm just saying figure out complementary partnerships definitely excel faster than ones that are not you know what I'm yeah yeah now uh so you're you know you've been producing you've gotten some placements um and you said you got your placement on uh rehab so how did your relationship kind of go uh, from sending a beat, getting on rehab to working with a reach uh, more closely? Yeah, uh, it was, so rehab was 2010 and I started working at reach in 2017, seven years later. Um, and I would say, even though I was working with reach at 2010 and throughout with KB, I worked on KB's first mixtape, worked on his first album. I did the KB100 song. Um, so I've had a lot of like traction working with the Reach artists, but I wouldn't say I was like just pulling up to the building every day, hanging out with them. You know what I'm saying? It was more so a, I was a client business relationship, right. like, more like a vendor. And so it was, it was sincere, but never really like um, on like family status, which I don't think it has to be. I think this is, it's healthy for some business relationships to be client, vendors you know type of relationship even in the christian world because <laughs> i know some people feel like yo if we're not going to be close there's no point in even having this relationship um, i mean that's what we get I, mixed yeah. up it's, it's a business it's it's ministry focused like but it is a business so you have to go into it with the right expectations or people can kind of expect more and be let down or um yeah, oh, yeah, it'll be let down. And so for me, I um, always stayed in contact. And I, I was, at, during that tenure, seven years, I was I also wasn't limiting my business to reach records. I was producing with other artists and, and uh, you know, Sony, and Lil Wayne and T.I. I, I was out kind of like figuring out how to like not limit my business model just to reach records. And I'm a fan of reach records. I, I knew that I always embodied the mission that they were about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hip hop and I'm Christian. Of course, everything they put out, I, I loved. So it wasn't until 2016 when uh, I think Joseph Kalazi was the, you know, the A&R there for a long time. And he, he had parted ways and went to a word record to start four against five. And they was, they were looking for uh, an A&R and I, and I applied through some mutual friends and I applied for the position and the first go around, I actually didn't get it. You know, I, uh, I applied, I went through the ranks, got really far to the interview process and they really enjoyed me. And they actually went with someone else, which at the time I wasn't, I didn't even, I was like, you know, Hey, it was a good shot. Um, 
they went with Natalie Lauren, who she did a phenomenal job for like a year. And she, um, you know, A&R, Lecrae's, all things went together album. So she did a contract term. And when her contract was up, she decided not to renew. And they kept me in mind and they called me back. So that's kind of how it started. Yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes the, uh, I, I kind of have the saying, uh, the, the best ideas aren't always best for now. And so sometimes those those great opportunities are not for now. Um, and you can't let that, like, getting rejected one time get you down. So how did you get into A&R? Like, I, I know you did production, producing beats. Like, how did the A&R thing come about? Well, first of all, what is it? And, uh, and and what was it that made you apply for that type of job? Sure, man. A&R stands for the guy that just sits around and doesn't do anything. He just grabs a bunch of artists and just, <laughs> you know, he just, he's just a guy. It's one of those label titles, you know what I'm saying? You just kick your feet up and post on IG and do like, you know. Sure, sure. Nah, um, stands for artist and repertoire. That's artists and songs, so... Um, artist and catalog and, and, and the function of an A&R is to find talent for the label, scout talent, develop talent, and help talent complete music for commercial exploitation. So that's find, develop, get music out, essentially. Um, so I, I got into a, being a producer definitely, um, you know, set up my, my tenure to be an A&R because I, I guess you don't have to be a producer to be an A&R, but having some type of, uh, you know, managerial music experience helps. So I was obviously versed in like studio culture. I had a lot of contacts with other producers and I had a lot of, con which is very important for A&R, having contacts with other creatives to help uh, find music, curate ideas to pitch to the artists. So they can help. So it's all about helping the artists find their creative rhythm, find their creative you know, best of themselves. So uh, that was a big, uh, I think, um, attractive point for me to reach was that I had contacts of creators not limited to the Christian space. Not that that's a bad thing at all. It's just if you're trying to broaden the sound, sometimes you get better, not better, but sometimes you get different perspectives from people who are not working in the same ecosystem. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just, it's just common, like, I always say the best rappers don't just listen to rap music. They pull from other cultures. You know, look, look at Kanye West. You can look at uh, Jay-Z, in our space, Andy Mineo, right? People who pull from different genres that they're actually functioning in. It just calls for, I'm sure the best EDM producer just doesn't, just doesn't listen to EDM. I'm sure they're probably pulling right. from, like Skrillex, he pulls from heavy metal. He pulls from these other genres. So that was kind of my metric or my... Um, I guess um, strategy was like bringing in people who created in different spaces, whether you know R and B or hip hop, and bring them to the Christian space. So, I don't know if you could share this or not, but what is the interview process like at Reach? Um, it was pretty. I mean, basically, without saying too much, it's just thorough. So they're very, um, very big on selecting people that they feel like embodies. Uh, the culture that they're trying to project and and people that even if you embody the values and and you have to be it's more about someone who you know is just a good quality person that has the skill sets so quality standards are really important like you know being able to and, and people who are like self-starters right so not looking for hey what do i do next it's like a lot of times i think but what i've learned watching people like lecrae uh People like um, uh, Ben Washer, people like Rick Rubin, people like, uh, who's another good example? Um, even people like, uh, you know, John Gray, Rich Wilkerson, right? They're people that are, strateg they're, they're not waiting for permission to do what they're envisioned to do. It's like, I'm just going to pursue it and learn my way through it versus waiting for somebody to tell me if it's okay. Yeah. And I think that kind of attitude is curates great people so I, i've kind of like adopted that mentality at reach i already kind of has that and i think being at reach is like has fortified that 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 kind of drive me where it's like instead of bring instead of asking lecrae if this is a good song you just do it and you bring them options and you say hey i got these dope hook and beat ideas man which one you like 
hey, I got this idea for a summer playlist project, which I actually brought to Reach in 2018. It's like, hey, I think we should do a, a project where we, instead of limiting some of the releases for the artists, because sometimes it's very delicate. We don't ever, we, we try to really consider the artists and what they wish. And, you know, you don't want to drop one day on Thursday and then Andy on Friday and McCray on Wednesday. It's, it, it's, we have to manage that bandwidth. It's not easy to do, honestly. But right. I thought I thought of a cool way. What if all the artists drop a single on the same day and we package it as a playlist so the fans, so they can get this 116 community and cohesive moment, but the artists are dropping singles so they don't have to feel like label graph it in this like Avengers moment. Because sometimes that's a delicate mm. posture too of like, hey, well, now we're, we're artists. We're not a group. We're a collective. But, you know, you know how can this that was so basically that was an example of me just like thinking through what i think would be a dope idea and just curating it and then bringing it forward you know what i'm saying not waiting for permission you know what i'm saying yeah uh obviously i love the avengers analogy <laughs> obviously uh <laughs> staring at my uh my avengers thing on the, on the back side of my wall that you can't see but um yeah that, that's really cool though because i think you know uh you know, obviously, at this point in time, news leaking of, of Reach kind of separating from Columbia and stuff like that, and, and there being issues with release dates, and it's like you're, you're limited. And um, so I know that's, you know, that's one thing that uh, that I've, you know, kind of heard is a, a big issue with the, the bigger labels. Um, so as, as far as, like, you know, even the Reach Records, how, what kind of a time gap do y'all try to put in between either singles or albums? Honestly, we kind of like go with the rhythm of the artists. They kind of drive the output. So, I mean, when we speak into it, we, we do try to like steer, we try to steer them in a way that we feel like is the best for them. But ultimately, the artists kind of drive what they want to do. And we just kind of elevate it and support it and then amplify it. So, if an artist is working on an album and they don't want to drop singles, and we may want to drop, we may want them to drop singles. We'll obviously speak into it and try to encourage them to consider our point of view. But nine times out of ten, it's, it's kind of it's the art, man. So it's kind of like what the artist is feeling and what they're going through, and that kind of drives the release the release um, schedule. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So um, so as far as like the the kind of the A and R work that you've done, uh, what were some of the things that you worked on at Reach that um that that we kind of can look to that you've done? Um, man, I'm thankful, definitely thankful to be a part of it. I, mean, I, feel, like, I feel like the, the, the artists, you know, do, I mean, they make, they make my job look easy. The artists are just, I really love working with my team. Um, and I feel, I feel like the culture and the fan base that was, um, you know, set up before I got there allowed me to thrive, you know what I'm saying? So I'm very grateful for Joseph Farlazny, Natalie, you know, people, uh, J Jacob Biz Morris, he's our engineer there, people that kind of like set the tone and temperature for the studio and they outside off. But I, I would say um, specifically, I I brought RG to, I guess you could say I brought him, but we knew about him, but I, I definitely championed being a part of the Reach Records roster. What up, RG? So that was, a, that was my first artist that I, really champion and pushed for and fought for um so what was the the leading reason for that for for you what what were the things that that stuck out to you that made you want to uh really push for that you know some things are just instinctual so i started at reach in june 2017 the 8th i believe yeah no the 12th it was the 12th i remember and i had month before that i'm always browsing you know chh stuff and i saw rg in this video from lauren the rapper and i was like when i saw his video don't forget to live and i was like this kid is something about him it just drew me to him i thought the song was okay honestly but i thought some his charisma and his conviction about who he was just bled through so clearly and i was like i think he's I think he's got like star potential he He's gonna be. He's a leader, you know. I saw leadership. Right. A, in the Christian world, you can't say star. You get penalized. But <laughs> Jesus is a star. Jesus is a star. No other stars, guys. Star is a trigger word in this environment. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our stars are here to reflect the greatest star, you know, and that's the sun. Nah, but he had a leadership that just cut through, and I just, I remember driving to his house, me and the, me and the engineer at Reach, Bill Bismarck, had already kind of been scoping them too, so we, when I got to Reach, the first thing I said was, to Biz, I said, what's up with, what up with RG? And he was like, he looked at me like, like, yo, I've been thinking the same thing, so we drove to his house in Gwinnett, like the next day, like, hey man, who's gonna come hang out? See what's up, and then, um, that, and I and then that was like, well, almost a year before we signed them technically, but almost like six or seven months in. Yeah, it took some time, but we just um, we just built from that point. Just built. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So one of the things you said that that I think is really important, and I've never really heard anybody talk about it um, in depth, at least not with me, is you said that like you felt like he knew who he was, and and he was like strong in that. Um, can you talk about why that's important? It's important because authenticity translates. You know what I'm saying? A talent is dope. Talent is, is, a, is, a, is a must. I ain't gonna lie. Talent's a must. Hard work is a must. Discipline. Um, but there, are, there is something about somebody having an authentic voice, especially at that age when you kind of know what you want to stand for, how you want to express your faith, how you want to live it out. I mean, you may not have it all figured out. I'm not saying that he did, but I'm just saying there's a certain confidence about him that I would like to see more other young people, which is uh, let me be identified. Like my, my value doesn't come from the online chatter. I'm not intimidated by other people walking in the room. And I'm also not extra boastful with other people with other environments as to put on that I'm you know, more than I'm really not. So I think that just kind of bled through and he had a certain confidence that I thought was sincere, right? So um, that just that just speaks volumes. That, it, more, than any, more than being talented, more than being, um, having a dope work ethic is having a voice, an authentic voice, I think is really important. Yeah, I know, I think that's, that, that's you know, kind of the appeal behind like, you know, somebody like NF. Like he knows who he is, he's comfortable there you know like you know what you're going to get and who he is and uh, so so i think that's one of those you know it it makes sense of what you're saying with rg because you know you see that in other people um other quote-unquote stars (laughs) uh so whenever um so when you're looking for uh you know aside from kind of that feeling are are there any statistical like scientific measures that you take uh, as far as a and goes when you're looking at somebody? Yeah, for sure. I feel like data is important to look at, to inform, but it shouldn't. For me, it doesn't. I'm not going to like say what an A&R should, should do, but for me, it doesn't. Um, it's not the, the most, you know, it's not the most hardest driver for me, the biggest driver. It informs, but it doesn't, it doesn't dictate because... Sometimes data could just be a function of the trend. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's we, we, pl- plenty of research. We, we can go, we, we can talk about Steve Jobs and the iPhone. We can talk about people who sometimes just knew what people needed before there was data to support it. So I let it, you know, yeah, I, I definitely look at that, but I also don't, do, I'm not bound by it. Like there was another kid we signed, Kid named Hovey. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any much data at all, really. He just had something that I thought was unique. And I thought his talent just bled through, and it was like, hey, I think I think he, I think he he will be a good fit for us in what we're trying to build. Yeah, I think that was one, you know, because you know, RG had a little bit of a, he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of a backing and following because uh, Indie Tribe. So a lot of people looked at Indie Tribe and no big deal, uh, Jerry Mana and uh, Mowgli, and so you know he he started getting a little bit of buzz. At least I started. Uh, under you know knowing who he was because of indie tribe and hovey like it seemed like he came out of the blue um you know we heard him on uh one of the what 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 he, he was uh, what, what was he on the first thing he was on it was like a reach collab was it a song or a playlist it was a playlist oh yeah and and so and that was almost kind of a giveaway it was like hold on wait who's this guy does this mean he's getting signed like it's the other reach artists up there 
but there were other artists too, like Paris Chariz and uh, some other folks. And we knew we, you weren't signing all of them. <laughs> um, so what was it about Hovey uh, that you that that stood out? So like he had a uh, like he had a sincere expression of his faith as well too. Like I feel like within the um, Christian hip hop community. Uh, everybody has the opportunity to express their faith the way they see fit. I felt like how he communicated his faith in Jesus was so clear and refreshing that against the fray of like some of the newer um, artists, again, it's not wrong or right. It just felt like, I felt, I personally felt like moved by what his content. And I thought that this would be dope to put on display. And, um, and then also his vocal tone and singing and rapping abilities was like, I was like, oh, this is, it, it was a special, like he can really rap and he can really like sing. So it was like, I was like, yo, this kid, he's like, he's just a little, he's just, he's just a little rusty. We just gotta like, you know, <laughs> we, just, we just gotta like allow him to just flourish. You know, we, we don't wanna, you know, as a label, we don't, we don't wanna make someone's identity. We just kind of gave him the space to just grow. So he'd come around, we put him in the studio with certain producers, we just kind of give him access to certain production and just, it has more access to different marketing initiatives and campaigns and all that stuff. And, and I felt like um, his work ethics too, uh, and his art is really like, he's just, I mean, for him it's like rapping is a, is a, is a tool for him to like reflect and shine God's light. So for him, it's, he's not really here for, um, entertainment value is like really secondary, um, mm. which is really dope, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um kind of felt a little bit of triple e uh a lot of people compare you know a lot of people call triple e like the the, the preacher of the label in a way um uh, which he is a preacher right mm-hmm. so I, I i thought he was um i know i've seen him preach sermons and stuff but i wasn't sure uh kind of his his full spectrum of it uh yeah hobie was one of those that you know it, it popped up especially it was weird because like whenever i saw him getting interviewed on track stars uh i think I don't know if, if they knew at the time or whatever, but like, I don't think anybody understood who, who he was and what was getting ready to happen. Um, and it was just like a couple weeks later, I think it was the, the signing was announced, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how long, how long of a period do you let go uh, or let go by when you sign somebody and when you announce it to the public? It's a, it just varies. I mean, some, some windows are shorter. For us, it's just a matter of allowing the artist to be comfortable where they're at and us figuring out what makes sense. Um, so we're, we're mindful of the 116 brand, and we know that once an artist gets that you know, label on in terms of you know, being signed, it comes with a lot of public pressure. Right. So um, I feel like you know, labels do this all the time. It's like sometimes it's like cultivation and time before announcement just because you want to give the artist space to just be themselves and not like let the label um brand uh get in the way of what the artist's voice could really be so i mean i think there was even cases with like kendrick lamar um section 80 notoriously was like his independent album but it, it was already in motion it was already a major label album and i think even for hobie you know i think i think um no, he wasn't signed when we dropped. When we put out summer eight, 19, he wasn't signed at all. Um, but we definitely liked what he had. And, you know, we felt like he was somebody we wanted to just kind of see where it can grow into. You know what I'm saying? So I think getting the artist space to cultivate their gifts and grow. And then, yeah, and in and, and this case, where it may be faster. It just, it really just depends. You know what I'm saying? Right. Is there uh, any type of a balance? a label needs to have with types of artists or types of sounds or anything like that? I think that's a fair thing. I think it's a fair thing. I think, I think, the, but at the same time, there is beauty and synergy as much as there is beauty and diversity. So uh, I would say Reach Records, obviously where hip hop is our thing. That's our, that's how we express ourselves. But at the same time, you have some of our artists who, may drop a song where they're singing, you know, one day can drop a song where you may feel like listen to R&B. Uh, Andy may drop a song, it may be a pop song. So I feel like, but hip hop is our foundation. So I think um, 
yeah, diversity is important, but, um, you know, I, I'm definitely mindful of like not trying to reduplicate things that we already kind of speak to, you know, like if, if we had, you know, I mean, we have what a bar G and, and he's, he's a special artist and he has a voice in it. But if there's another artist that is Latino, we would, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not limited to just background. It's more about being mindful of what we can do. How, how can we do our, like do our best job with the people we have and the resources we have. So we can't really sign everybody, you know, we'd love to, but just, <laughs> just, just can't. Yeah. I know that's, uh, is that tough sometimes? Like, you know, you see talent out there and you're like, man, I'd love to sign this person, this person, this person. How do y'all kind of weigh through that? Is there something that y'all do like in lieu of signing? Um, Signing is such a big thing. It's such a big commitment. So we just try to take our time. So if, when we can't sign an artist, we, we do, I mean, you can probably look at our track record and see, there's artists that we really like and, and really help support them and give them platforms to be them best to be their best selves. So for me, it's like I do, I know Weech Records can't sign every dope Christian hip hop artist. It's not functionally possible. But <laughs> it's like leveraging the brand, leveraging the platform, how how we can spotlight, highlight dope voices in the space. I think we've done that with certain artists. Um, like and I think that's I think that's the thing with the Christmas album. We've done that. The summer playlist project we've done that's like hey so those are cool opportunities for me to kind of survey the landscape of people that I feel like are dope and may need to get more attention and get more of a spotlight and elevate them um i think like for example uh this kid named tori deshaun is really dope i mean we, we yeah. thought he was dope and he, he's he's like hey you're dope you know you, you're, it's like being 116 is not limited to being a signed artist at reach it's just like you understand the faith, you're dope, let's just work together and make music. And you know, I think that's that's the it's really that simple, you know. Yeah, I remember um and, and you 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 hit on it a little bit with your interview with Ruslan, uh going back to the early days where there was the you know I think you know, there were people on the thirteen letters, uh the one one six compilation, like there was a lot of things that were going on. Um and people were getting exposed to non reach records artists like a Thizzle, a Jason, um, and things like that. And, and I think the playlists have been good for that. Uh, see, seeing the different people on there, uh, you know, they're not necessarily on an album, but the playlist really is the same thing now. Uh, do you think it's going to continue to go that way? Like that might be a trend where there's like playlists and not necessarily full albums, or do you think albums are here to stay? Uh, how do you feel like that's going to go with music? I feel like playlists are cool because they're, they're um, less. There's less pressure from like an artist standpoint. It's like when you when you frame it as a playlist, you're getting to like soften or lessen the expectations, but also kind of get data on what people draw to. When it, when it's an album, I think artists and labels as well. We just get it's like a, a intrinsic like pressure. That, that mounts up because it's like this album has to be the album that you know reflects where I'm at and that I want to look back 10 years now I feel like I so it's a lot of like a lot goes into it and I think I think the fans have to give the artist space to not put so much pressure on them to like make um, a classic every time it's just so much pressure that I feel like the fans it, it, social media because you judge everything so um so strictly where it's like ooh. so artists makes you know dropping the album especially the kind of music that we make where it's like substantive conscious if, if it's more fun freeing more trap it's probably a little easier creatively to, to drop music like that but to like the drop what we drop and we're dropping like heavy themes and, and devotional driven music and substantive right. so like that just can't, it's hard for the, it's hard to pump that out at the pace of like less substantive music, like a, the baby or Migos. Like, if we just talk about anything, yeah, we can just slap a bunch of records out. It's just, that's easy. But we're putting a lot of thought, thoughtfulness. Andy Mineo puts so much thoughtfulness in every bar. Like, he, he'll do a verse over like five times to get it right. So it's like, I think the fans just have to give the artists a little bit of grace with like the way we, you know, 
and whether and and and, and so don't I've seen this, I've seen this before online with like fans judging like a playlist or EP and saying where's the album where's the album I'm like yo all you want <laughs> you just want the album so you can ask me where's the next album coming yeah. out two weeks later yeah. like is this a body of work that takes the artist's soul to pit on that it, it takes so much out of the artist to create that art you know and it's not a it's not a press a button and there you go it's magically a classic album you know what I'm saying so yeah especially when you're on like when you're working at a a, a level like a Lecrae or Andy because uh, you're you know you're, you're you're touring it and you're having to do a lot of things to to make this album. I mean, because you have a you know not to talk about money specifically, but you have a label. You have to you have employees and stuff, so you got to make sure this album lasts in order to pay the bills for the whole record label. Um, and I think you know artists can't drop and drop and drop and drop uh, that. And and I think you know depending on the artist, you know some people might get tired of getting so much music. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's where that's where little packages like one one six songs, the playlists, Christmas, these little things are outlets for artists to kind of like get some you know get some rocks off without being glued to the pressure of this is my album season, this is my album cycle. Um, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's, it's just it's just super super weighty. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I will also say in Christian music, like the CCM culture contemporary Christian music genre the there's trying to say this delicately there's not much expectation from the consumer base for the artists to innovate yeah all the songs sound very similar <laughs> it's okay to say it's okay to say I, I doubt anybody's listening to this from that arena <laughs> so with hip hop especially against substantive sub, substantive conscious hip hop you're basically demanding that it be groundbreaking, progressive in the last body of work mm. each time. So it's just it's just more input. It's, it takes more out of the artist to, to deliver that, and for me too to like deliver that kind of like body of work. So uh, if, if we were just reading, if we were just doing, um, you know, if a crate wants to do let the trap say amen five times over, that's easy. That's easy. It's it, it's it's supposed to be like a mixtape offshoot type of thing, but if we're trying to like do records that give you that feeling of like an anomaly, it takes a lot of or or Andy Minio's uncomfortable. That's like that's putting your soul. It's not not that easy, you know what I'm saying? But we definitely do our best to kind of get there. And, and I would say, even though it's not that easy, the hard work that we've been making this year is going to be some phenomenal records coming out, man. Phenomenal. Like, just get ready, bro. I put out a, um, it was a tweet a while back, and, and I know it's probably not going to happen because things change, time change, and all that stuff. And uh, but I was like, man, I'd love for there to be um, in, in the comic book world. There's, there's something called Hall H, where you know, like big uh, studios will come and release their upcoming movies and stuff. And I was like, man, it'd be so dope to have like a Reach Records or a God of Ramon or RMG like have like that kind of a announcement like you know such and such is dropping this time then then such and such is dropping later and but you know uh i think you know the lives of artists change and things um and people make music for the season they're in and so i i don't know how how that would work necessarily um but i was like man that'd be just like a big convention like a big huge that's thing a, that's actually a dope idea Thank you, thank you. I might, I might, I might, I might, I might have to swim in that a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, man, just like you know, whether it be like a big, uh, like a conference or whatever, man, I just think that'd be that'd be like a huge once a year or whatever. Different labels could be a part of it, man. I was like, man, that'd be so awesome to see. But there'd be so much into that, like I couldn't even imagine the um, the actual legwork that would go into doing something like that. Even for one record label, let alone trying to combine two or three or whatever, but um, but yeah, man. So if that ever happens, uh, I, I'd love to be able to sit in that that audience or whatever. <laughs> so uh, so right now, kind of what's the uh, you know, I'm just curious, what's like a regular day in the life of um of Ace Harris, like on the job, um, or is there a regular day? I mean, it, it fluctuates. I mean, I spend a lot of my time listening to music. That sounds terrible. I'd hate that job. <laughs> Discovering like 
you're, you're listening, going through beat folders, and then also um, like helping records get finished. When I say that, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the phone and text messages. I send so many text messages, emails. Yo, are those beat files in? Yo, is that, is that verse in? Getting records to the finish line of completion. It's like where I spend a lot of my energy. Because an idea can't, you know, doesn't reach your Spotify unless it's finished. And ideas don't move hearts. It's finished songs that do. So mm -hmm. getting the songs finished, like, okay, this verse is done, background singer's done, production's right, mix is good, paperwork's clean, everything clear. Getting it primed for release is like a book of my time. So, yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I read your, uh, I think it was on DJ Booth that you did an article. And one of the things you talked about, and this is going to kind of go back to, to, to yourself and the production aspect of things, you were talking about a, a music video, I think it was, that you had a song that was going to be a part of, and and you weren't sure if it was going to drop or whatever. Um, so how was, like, did, do you, does each individual music video, uh, as far as business, like, is there, like, a different payment for a producer to have a song on an album? Or, or then if it goes onto a music video? No, it's, it's pretty, once the song is like, you know, purchased by the label, the royalties flow out into different mediums. So there's different like royalty scales per the medium in which it's being distributed. So YouTube has scales, Spotify has scales. All these things, you know, flow from the producer contract, the producer sign. So um, it's, it's pretty, pretty standard. Now, in terms of CHH, is there, uh, I, I don't know how much necessarily business loans you've had with anybody outside of um, kind of the, the higher level names. Are there some areas that you think, as far as like business goes, you think uh, CHH needs to work on or even just some advice for indie artists that might be listening? Um, let me speak to the producers real quick. A couple of things. Um, definitely register yourself with a Performing rights organization, PRO, so that as a songwriter, which as your producer in hip hop, you're, you're automatically, um, you know, listed as a songwriter. So just register, register yourself as a writer and publisher, both. That's like one on one. That ASCAP, BMI, CSAT. Look it up. Follow the steps. Get your publishing and your writer set up. That's one on one. Number two. Um, I would set up an LLC so that if you're starting to accrue money for your work, your tax shelter is lessened. So you don't necessarily want all your money for you to flow through John Doe. You want it to flow through John Doe Enterprises, LLC, because it's just a better tax shelter. Thirdly, producers, when you submit and make, and you're making beats, please try to make sure the beats you're making, you're not pulling loops or samples that are going to be an A and R headache because I've seen them. I've seen them mess up deals many times. Mm. That's why I try. I'm not against splice loops solely, but just try to know. Sometimes producers just pull sounds just anywhere, and it's like I have to ask producer, "Yo, is there samples in here?" Because you're not going to transfer that liability onto us. I'm not. I'm not going to pay Reach Records in jeopardy and lose my job because I some samples that I knew were there. We just want to overlook. You know, I try to. Gotta be mindful of that. So um, make sure you're submitting tracks. And then for the artist, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely, definitely tight. It's definitely, but I, I just say just, first of all, be dope. I can't coach you on that. Be dope <laughs> be, and be active. If you're dope, be active. And if you're active, uh, be consistent. Do you have any uh, advice for producers? Because I, because I know I know a few producers who are really trying to work their way up and stuff, and they're working and, and they have great beats. Uh, do you have any maybe advice in today's world? Uh, because your story and we didn't share it on this, but uh, make sure y'all go listen to the interview with Ruslan because they talked about some different stuff and a lot more of other things. And uh, but one of the things you talked about was you wore a shirt around. What did it say? I make beats. So that's that. You know, was two thousand five. You said, okay, that's not going to work today. Um, I mean, you could probably post some Instagram photos saying that, but 
I'm sure people already follow you on Instagram. They probably know you make beats. Uh, would you have any recommendations or suggestions for producers now that are, I mean, because one, you know, with music in general now, the, the barrier to entry is so low because you can buy everything you need to produce a beat to put out a whole song uh, extremely cheap. Because, so. the bar- because the barrier of entry is so low, it's so saturated. So yeah. it's more competitive. I would say don't limit your production business to trying to place records with artists. Looking to sync, looking to other things, other mediums to get you looking to beat stars, other indie artists are looking for beats. Just for for the sake of building a business, it's very um, attractive to be replacing a record with a signed artist. And I'm not negating that at all. I mean, that's what our business model for producers is based off. I'm just saying, because it's so saturated, I would say broaden your intentions and broaden your scope so you can take advantage of other opportunities. Right, right. And um, also, I would say, um, try to be, you know, I always say, like, have, think about what's current. Don't copy it, but consider it when you're creating. So if you're, if you're, if you're going to make 10 beats in a week, maybe have, like, six to seven of them beats, records that are commercially viable, as in these beats have the potential to commercially translate. And then... Take your three and just go crazy. Experiment with just some crazy. Do whatever you want to do. Beats be crazy, but make it dope and interesting. And as you're sending batches, send a um, a composite of the commercial, but and then something that's kind of a wild card that you feel like is dope. You never know. You never know what that one beat could do for you. Gotcha. And then for any, uh, so I guess one last for artists, uh, is there... I mean, <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, not everybody can do this, but uh, is there, what are ways or what are things that A&R are looking for, for labels that you can just kind of give some advice? Um, I would say, you know, obviously for Reach, just a unique voice, a heart for leadership and something that's dope. And then currently I would say, me personally, I'm looking for something a little bit unique. Gotcha. Um, something that's not as... We've done this before. So you're not looking for the next reach. You're looking for somebody different. I mean, I mean, you're not looking for the next Lecrae. You're looking for somebody different from Lecrae that's dope and does what they do well. Yes, absolutely. I know whenever I get, you know, I do music submissions for track stars, and you know, I don't see it as much, and I think it's because a lot of people have been hitting on don't try to be somebody else. And, um, and you know, they would say, you know, I'm the next Lecrae or I'm the next Flame or, you know, even now the next NF. And as soon as I see that, I'm like, I kind of don't want to listen to it right now Uh, (laughs) because I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not signing artists to labels or anything. I'm just, you know, putting it through to people to listen to. But uh, but it's just like, be like, find yourself, like you said with RG, like find yourself, know who you are and, uh, and, and be comfortable with that. And I would say one other note for producers which has helped me a lot early on my, I've placed a lot of records because I wasn't just a beat maker. What I mean by that, yes, I've always had beats. I've always, that's part of your job, make dope beats, but figure out if you're not in the room with these artists, you have to come as be um, a strategist. You have to think through what is the kind of music that would translate for this artist. If I'm sending stuff blindly or to me, the A&R. So, Figure out how to make some hooks with some other songwriters. Craft some hooks. Yeah. yeah. Find some good ones, though. Don't just make the... If you're going to send a hook, try to send a hook that we couldn't just make on our own. So it's like you're bringing something the complementary to the creative uh, table. You know what I'm saying? My records that I placed with Reach Records, we had... So I did three tracks on the Crazy album we had. Two of them had hooks out of the three I placed. It's Used to Do It Too and Walk on the Water. My T.I. song I placed, and the two songs I think with T.I., one of them had a hook. Um, the Lil Wayne track we placed, it had a hook. So we're not just bringing beats. We're bringing records to the table. And it's like, that goes a lot further. For sure. I, 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 I recently placed two Andy Mineo songs, or not placed, but two songs that he's, he's working on. Um, and the, this producer had hook ideas that were fire. Not, when I say hook, I mean like singer-songwriter hooks, or not like writing hooks for Andy, but like 
Right. It was like a, it was a, it was a concept, you know what I'm saying, and it helps move the thing along. And I think a lot of great artists can can pick out the dopeness in someone else's expression and figure out, okay, that can work for me and, and turn it to a song. But if it's a, if I have to always start from ground zero to to get to a dope song, artists are so in and they're so you know bombarded with stuff. Right. The producer that gets that thinks through. How can I make your job easier? Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds like you make it sounds like uh nah. I'm here I'm as I'm here to make your job easier to do so. Yeah, I know you know, um whenever I, I play around with music and I, I say that just playing around, you know, I am you know, I'm listening to beats with hooks because um like I know anything that I touch I'm you know, people hooks are hard to write. They gotta be catchy. And in especially in the mainstream world, the hook is more important than the verse. Um, you know, I, I really believe that's why I let you down did so well was because of the hook. Uh it's it's a fire hook. And so when you're giving a producer or you're giving an artist a beat with a great hook like that, you like you said, you're making that job easier and you might be giving them an idea of something that they can work with. I know Eminem uh, he was talking about his Kamikaze album, and he said that he heard this beat with this, you know, it had a hook on it, and he loved the sound of it. It was unique. It sparked an interest in him to want to write to it, and he ended up getting two of the beats with the same exact singer on both of them, uh, which was interesting. And I was like, man, even somebody at Eminem's level, somebody who's worked with anybody and everybody, um, and has the money to pay anybody to do a hook, you know, he, he still is looking for somebody that's creative and nobody really knows, you know. Uh, so absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that's um, it's very valuable. And so uh, but again, it's got to be catchy. It's got to be something that will lead an artist or give something to artists to feel and, and go off of. Um, but is there any other uh, is there any other last minute kind of things you'd want to share? Tell people give advice. Um, no, I mean, it's been, it's been dope, man. Just. Uh, you know, it's been really dope, you know, talking, talking through some of my, my journey. I just hope people, you know, um, do it for the right reasons, put the right energy and heart behind it and let God bless it however he sees fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I, you know, one of the things I tell people is like, understand why you're doing it. Um, you know, if, if it's to become, uh, let, let me ask you just your professional opinion real quick. Do you think it's bad for an artist to uh, to want to be an entertainer, a major entertainer? Do you think there's anything wrong with that? Okay. okay. I think I think like Christians don't have to be Christians. Christians making music doesn't have to be limited to evangelistic um, a vehicle. You know what I'm saying? So the art doesn't have to be an evangelizing tool exclusively. It can be. I think God honors just creative creators that paint and create from a place of a biblical worldview. Even if it's not, the intent isn't to evangelize exclusively. It can, but so I think music can be missional. It can be artistic. I think it's all about the sincerity in which you do it. You know what I'm saying? So, gotcha. awesome. yeah, that's totally fine. Awesome, man. Well, Ace, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, just kind of sharing some wisdom. Uh, I know uh, my two Patreon supporters will definitely benefit from this. Uh, and I, I know I'm going to get a, a text and a message <laughs> about it. But um, so, yeah, where can everybody find you at? Um, Ace Harris Music. It's Ace Harris Music. Um, that's my Instagram. It's my uh, Facebook. It's my Twitter. Everything. Gotcha. Yeah, so go check them out. Look them up. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time. And I, I'm really praying this this helps some people out and would be some good guidance. Man, appreciate you too, Jason, man. Take care, my brother. That was the interview with Mr. Ace Harris. Uh, if you're listening to Ace, thank you so much again for doing this interview. It means a lot for you to take your time and be a part of a little humble show like this. Uh, and I thank you supporters and listeners who listen to it. Please give me your feedback. Give him your feedback. Let me know what you've learned and uh, the kind of value you got from this episode. And uh, and again, I'm so grateful for the Patreon supporters, Mr. Jay Sandin, L.T. Smith, 
Uh, you guys keep the show rolling. Your support helps to, you know, cover the the different aspects of producing the show, and I, I appreciate you. And if anybody else wants to support, you can at patreon.com slash businesswithbordeaux, and uh, I got different tiers there. And it just, you know, honestly, uh, you know, even a dollar, it just shows that, that you find value in the show, and it's appreciated. And I, I'm not really trying to make a living doing this, because there's really no way to do that. And so... That and I only do like one interview or one episode a month, and uh, but you know I love doing them. I love being able to interview smart people, and I gain wisdom from it too. And uh, so that and building relationships and all that good stuff. So uh, so thank you, listeners, for supporting the show and continuing continuing to move it forward. And so yeah, that's it for the show this week. I appreciate all of you for checking it out. Um, I do want to say uh, shout out to Track Stars. Make sure you go follow the Trackstars platform if you don't already. Uh, just I, I love what they're doing. I love that they're trying to expand uh, entrepreneurship and teach people how to do things like this. I mean, this this podcast was inspired by Trackstars, and it was really made possible by Trackstars. And even now, it's being distributed through the Trackstars podcasting network. So, uh, so make sure you go and show them some love. And if you get a minute, check out Solomon's Porch Podcast. It's another podcast I got. It's also part of the Trackstars Podcast Network. And there we talk about comic book stuff, theology, uh, just, you know, whatever, more fun and, and kind of laid back. So, yeah, man, that's it for the interview for the show this week. Uh, we'll be back hopefully within a month with another interview. Uh, looking forward to getting some, some people on this show from different areas of life in different uh, areas of business. So stay tuned to that. And always remember, the more you learn, the more you know, and the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks to God bless.